This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. To Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 4, Episode 14, Dizzy Detectives. And let's start it off with some announcements. Uh, same announcement as last week. Post-game chatter is coming up pretty quickly um, as we've only got six more episodes to go after this one in Series 4. And we will be recording post-game chatter in just a few weeks. And part of post-game chatter is us answering the questions that you've sent us. So send us your questions. Um, it can be about stuff that's gone on in Series 4 or anything that's happened in the podcast thus far or any sort of technical questions that you might have. Anything RPG-related re- at all is pretty much a fair game. Uh, and if you submit a question for post-game chatter, we will answer it. You can submit those questions to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are at... Essential NPCs, or you can go to our website, EssentialNPCs.com, and use the Contact Us feature, or you can just email us at EssentialNPCsPodcast at gmail.com. That's it for announcements, I believe. It is, so let's move on into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. Uh, This Words with the GM is about Series 4, Episode 13, Disarming Methods. (laughs) A title that we thought was very clever, seeing as uh, in this episode, Talia disarmed many, many things. It's kind of her thing. I was going to say, it's her specialty right now. Um, Yeah, so there's some uh, interesting stuff that we learn, uh, rewinding back a bit in the um, episode to the Gilded Monocle International Radio um, broadcast. Uh, there's some interesting stuff going on in the world and some people dropping out. Yeah. Well, you know, once you start getting this far in the race, some people are just going to concede if they don't have the stones to keep going. <laughs> and or have been threatened with their lives. Well, I don't know what you would be referring to. I mean, Galahad Glynn was just minding his own business. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, this is actually something I've mentioned before in words with the GM uh, with Gilded Monocle International Radio. Uh, it's that um, it uh, gives me the ability to give you guys like an update on the rest of the race and the rest of the teams because there's so many uh, teams like it's it would be impossible for you guys to keep tabs on them just by running into them and asking around and stuff. It makes uh, it, it makes everything a lot easier if I can just be like, and here's an update on the rest of the race. <laughs> yeah, it's nice that we don't have to go looking for a newspaper every time we want an update. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's really interesting because there's like, I think it was Team Silver and Team Nightingale that dropped out. Yep. And um, they are teams that we haven't really seen in a while. Um, So it's really interesting. Like, why did you decide like in this broadcast that they were going to be, have dropped out? Oh, well, there are a lot of reasons for that. Not all of which I can explain. Okay. That's fair. (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, it's, it's kind of, 
a, a, a good GMing trick, in my opinion, to uh, be mindful of what's going on in the world outside of what your characters perceive. Because uh, sometimes there's like a ripple effect based on like something that the characters do that can maybe affect other parts of the world. And like that might not come home to roost for a while. And then like suddenly like they go back to a place or they they talk to somebody who's heard of a thing that has to do with like something that the characters influenced. Like they put someone in power in a town and then a little bit later they hear that that town is like being run terribly because the person was a tyrant or something. And it's like, oh man, that's, that's some, that, that is something that's been going on in the world that we were completely unaware of. Uh, it's, it's always good to keep a kind of a running tally in your head of like the, the machinations of the world outside of what the characters can influence. And then also the parts that the characters do influence, like think about how that changes, how the world works. And and when I say the world, I'm, I kind of I kind of mean like to the scale of the game. So in this campaign, I I do actually mean the whole world because it's a race <laughs> around the world. But like if you're playing a campaign that's like just set in one city or something, like you know you're playing a D and D campaign in Waterdeep, then you know you don't really have to think about what's going on on the other side of Faerun. <laughs> you more or less just need to think about like what's going on in the world that the characters are inhabiting, which in that case would be that city. Because the world should move and have consequences beyond what the players actually can get their hands on. And that's a really good way to like make it so you can come up with new plot threads throughout a campaign too, because maybe it starts getting a little worn down where they already are. It's like, well, you know, that thing I mentioned before at the beginning of the campaign is progressed this way. Now, uh, if you can constantly just be thinking about those things and it, and it helps, I think, make the world feel like it's actually living, like it's actually moving around the characters. They don't just feel like they only, uh, the world only exists where they are at that moment. Yeah. And, um, that's something I'm not super great about, but the way that I've always kind of tried to address it is like the world in and of itself should be in some way, shape or form, like another NPC. That's something for me that I practice on getting better. Uh, because a lot of the times, uh, I'm very, I have my storyline yeah, <laughs> and then like, that's what I'm focusing on and fleshing that out. So the world may or may not feel full, um, about that, but a lot of things like my, in my campaigns previously, people haven't been like blindsided, like what that's happening. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, and it's, it's something that you can, you can take as far as you want to or not. Like you can sit there and make a, a key part of your planning being like, what's new in the world today? What's, what's new? What don't they know is going on? Uh, and, or you can just kind of have like vague shapes and ideas of like how things might progress given player influence or, uh, without player influence. And then like, you know, just kind of occasionally revisit those concepts in your head and see if it is time to like implement those into the campaign or if you want to let them brew for a little while longer. <laughs> yeah. So good GM trick there. Make sure that you know what is happening in the world outside of your players characters. Even if it doesn't come into play, eventually you'll probably be able to use it. Um, but I believe that's 
uh, probably enough uh, words with the GM. Uh, I'm interested to know what your favorite moment is uh, from episode 13. So my favorite moment of this episode is definitely Gerald the Hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, really funny because Gerald as a um, automaton, and we don't really get to see this so much in the episode, um, retains all of his stats. So his like insane muscle and like his, uh, his like capabilities mechanically still are maintained. Right. Because hydraulics. <laughs> yeah. Even though he's hat shaped and, and it was out of necessity because, um, Basically, the way the rules work, um, Talia really couldn't maintain a, an even larger vessel. So um, Gerald had to be scrapped. Uh, but I really didn't want to get rid of Gerald. He's like, you know, part of Talia. And so uh, yeah. I uh, I came up with Gerald the hat and really loved it. Um, might just keep him that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny because you approached me uh, uh, outside of the game uh, and you were like, I think I'm going to have to break Gerald down to make this. I was like, I mean, I suppose that's one way to get some of the parts, you know, so you just kind of re- resigned yourself to the fact that like Gerald was going to have to be just like disassembled completely and then come back maybe later at some point. When just, I like, got the time to like build him yeah. again. And uh, then like a day before we recorded, <laughs> you came running up to me with designs <laughs> on how Gerald the hat works. Like the way that the legs fold up into the top and then like a little like pincer pops out of the top of the hat that like can grab stuff so that he can still maintain his normal mechanical functions. And you're like, is this, is this okay? Is this within the rules? And I was like, that is Tefra as fuck. <laughs> that is perfect. That is exactly the, the idea. It's like... The whole point of steampunk and Tefra and the crafting is that, like, the more ridiculously impractical and improbable the designs, the better. <laughs> because if you can make it be like, but the gears make it work somehow. It's like, sure, yeah, they do. <laughs> I loved it. And I was like, yes, yes, Gerald the Hat can stay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just was definitely my favorite moment. So what about you? What was your favorite moment? My favorite moment, and I I don't want to sound vindictive here or anything, but um, uh, when you guys are leaving the roost and uh, Barnabas is like, I'll take first shift at the wheel. (laughs) And then he rolls a natural one and just tips the skiff over and breaks it. (laughs) Um, That uh, is my favorite moment because uh, I don't actually think it made it into the edited version. But at one point, Covert was like, Barnabas is the Oberon of this campaign. (laughs) And uh, for those of you who did not listen to series one, Oberon Delgado was my character who was uh, a bar. And uh, I couldn't for the life of me stop from rolling natural ones. Just like it became like this on uh, this ongoing joke throughout the campaign where I just like go natural one for Oberon. And Oberon was also the most enthusiastic of those characters in series one. So uh, Barnabas kind of is, is filling that role in this series where he is enthusiastic. He gives it his best and then he rolls a natural one and just face plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a failing is um, almost always more interesting than succeeding. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's why Barnabas and Oberon were so great because um their characters are like, oh my gosh, we just failed. Oh, well, this is awesome. This Let's, is keep Let's keep going. going. Adventure. Ha ha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I totally 
didn't realize that was happening, but I see it now and that's so great. Yeah. I mean, I just love that Barnabas just doesn't, he doesn't let, let it like bring him down at all. He just keeps trudging on and staying enthusiastic. He's a great character. Uh, but I believe, uh, it is time that we, uh, continue forward. You guys have to, uh, make your way back to where team tally was last seen and, uh, check in and see how they're doing. <laughs> so let's move on forward and listen to Series 4, Episode 14, Dizzy Detectives. Enjoy! Hello! I'm Barnabas Gunsby, famous big game hunter and adventurer. I come from common birth, but I've used my skills to make a name for myself. I often go on expeditions to explore the world and its many lost secrets, to tame once wild lands and lay my eyes on wonders few have seen. I've written books of my exploits to help fund my adventures and while the books have brought me wealth and fame, many believe them to be fiction. It's cast a sad shadow over my once great career, but I have been selected to participate in the great Atroposian circuit, where I shall prove to the world that Barnabas Gunsby is a true legend of adventure. Hello, I'm Talia Nazari. It's true, I am Varishta royalty, and that's all well and good, but ruling is certainly not my true passion, but a duty I fulfill nonetheless. You see, I'm first an inventor and engineer. Self-taught, but I'm very good, a natural. And I suppose that natural talent has only been helped along by a lot of time spent in solitude. But you should see all the sorts of things I've made, mostly through trial and error. I am certainly not afraid to jump in and get my hands dirty when needed. As fate would have it, being an inventor led me straight into what I believe will be one of the most interesting times of my life. Mr. Cornelius Jollypot has asked me to join his team for that great Atroposian circuit. Can you imagine? Of course I said yes, only bolstered by the fact that one of my teammates is Mr. Barnabas Gunsby, my favourite author. We're sure to have a fantastic time and perhaps even have the chance to win. I can't wait to leave Dalvozia and see the world with my amazing and talented teammates by my side. It's all so very exciting. I'm Ezekiel Quaglin, gnome pilot extraordinaire, but my friends call me Zeke. I grew up in Paldoris before the hurricane wars. When the Aedin attacked, I joined the military to do my part in defense of my people. When it came time to return home, we realized that in winning the war, Paldoris had become an uninhabitable wasteland. The Infernal Church of Jinzi swooped in to save the day with their city-sized stormships. This spelled salvation for many of my people, and though I was never particularly religious, I was happy to accept the church's appointment as pilot of Jinzi's Hammer. I flew the city for several years, but I never really enjoyed living on that mechanical monstrosity. When the Evanglesian Civil War broke out, I quickly volunteered for the Jinzi Corps to lend aid to the militarists. Though we lost, I earned admission to the High Flyers, and after the war, used my connections there to become a commercial pilot. It's not glamorous or exciting work, and it barely pays the bills, but it let me fly the skies. When Jollypot offered me a spot on his Atroposian circuit team, I was happy to accept in hopes of retiring to a life of luxury. I mean, 
And even if we don't win, at least it won't be boring. The last time we left our adventurers, uh, they were crossing the Azeda Desert, having uh, done some uh, some vigilante uh, justice on spec at uh, the merchant hub of the Roost. Talia had put together some scraps in order to make a sand skiff so that they could quickly traverse the Quist, which is the desert of Azeda. Um, and uh, that journey was making relatively good time, if a little bit difficult due to the scalding heat of the desert. And uh, a, a little bit before their journey was over, they found themselves at a small little uh, slot canyon uh, where they heard cries for help. And ever the heroes, they investigated to find that Team Tally had uh, run into some misfortune. Uh, they were tunneling their way to what they believed was a temple of the Sapiens, the uh, long-lost uh, advisor-made uh, rebellion leader of the old, old ancient times of Azeda. Um, and uh, the tunnel they were making caved in, suspiciously. And... Um, Team uh, Team Jollypot uh, couldn't just leave him there. Marianne Smallthorn, at the very least, was still alive. Uh, no word from uh, Professor Franklin Carter or Desmond Cumberbatch. Uh, they were deeper down the tunnel. But uh, with some instruction from Marianne Smallthorn, uh, Team Jollypot decided to uh, head over to Team Tally's uh, temporary camp that was not too far away to grab some excavation tools to save them. When they got there, they found the tent, uh, the camp ransacked, followed a trail leading them to none other than Galahad Glynn of Team Fiddleworth, uh, who uh, opened fire on them and then uh, beset upon them a dozen clockwork automatons um, in order to distract him, distract them so that he could make his escape. Uh, after they had defeated the uh, the small automaton squadron. Team Jollypot uh, looked through Galahad Glynn's uh, tent to f see what he had left behind, and sure enough, he had left behind the uh, specialized shaped charges uh, and large excavation tool uh, that Marianne Smallthorn said was necessary to uh, secure their safety in their escape. Uh, the three of you jumped back on the skiff after loading it up uh, and headed back towards the slot canyon. You get there. And uh, you go back to the uh, to the tunnel where Team Tally is. And as you're approaching, you hear, whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. I never thought it would be like that. Whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, now, now tell me, now, uh, does she treat you kindly? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, that's good. I'm glad to hear that she treats you as a friend. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> and it's uh, uh, Marianne Smallthorne having a conversation with Gerald, uh, who Zeke and Barnabas, you actually thought Gerald was no more. You thought he was disassembled completely. Um, and uh, you turn the corner looking down the uh, tunnel and you see uh, the brass top hat that Talia had been wearing uh, with the goggles uh, around the band lit up uh, rose colored eyes uh, and uh, six little uh, uh, spider legs sticking out from underneath the hat uh, uh, lifting it up as it sits there uh, on a rock uh, apparently having a conversation with Marianne Smallthorn uh, who's you can only see her face uh, sticking out of the rocks. Um, and every once in a while, uh, uh, 
uh, Gerald, uh, the top of his top hat opens up and a little arm, like a little like uh, a uh, like pincer arm, like kind of reaches up and like grabs the canteen that was left behind and like gives gives Marianne some water and sets it back down. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was feeling a little a little uh, uh, famished. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, you're back. <laughs> Hello, Gerald. It appears we're both missing pieces. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. You're a crab now. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so how do we set all this up? Let's get you out of there. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, you basically uh, place the charges and she tells you, like, place a charge there, place a charge there, place a charge there, and then set the, uh, the what looks like a, like a metal stand up uh, right in the center of the, of the, uh, of the tunnel. And you guys do that, and she's like, okay, and then uh, just flip the switch and uh, let it go to work. <laughs> All right. Are you sure? Yes, just step back a little bit. I take a large step back. <laughs> uh, you guys stand outside uh, the tunnel. You press the, the button on the switch, and uh, there's a little <laughs> tiny little chart. Uh, you see, like, dust shoot out from behind the where you planted the charges, but it seems like the explosion was like almost like a bullet fired in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, there's like a, and then it stops and then the machine goes and, uh, it basically shoots pistons into like the tunnel and starts like rotating and carving the tunnel out, shooting dirt out the, uh, out the center of it. And, uh, it stops when it senses, uh, uh, Marianne there and like it moves very slowly and like starts like carving it and she's like with that she's able to like kind of like push out the rocks as it starts to carve around her and she climbs through the machine uh and then it keeps like shoveling stuff out and she's like all right well uh let's uh, let's get all this debris out so it doesn't bury itself and you know you guys start pulling all the I debris out I don't think that we'll let her just do that <laughs> just sit down it's fine why not <laughs> she was trapped in a cave in for a day yeah i mean so she hasn't done much physical activity. Ezekiel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you can, if why you don't can, you, why don't you rest? Do you have anything to eat? Uh, yes. Uh, Here, Zeke will give you some of his. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mr. Quaglin. Fine. I get big and I do the work, which is obviously what Talia is implying. <laughs> she uh, also help. She sees Zeke, uh, uh, like get real big and is like, Oh, you're one of the gnomes that's able to do that. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. She watches as you guys uh, pull the like debris out and shove it into the into the canyon, so that you know you can stay like that. It's a clear path to the back of this machine as it circle drill. Like it's not like a drill because it's hollow. Mm-hmm. It's like more like cutting out and then spitting all the like stuff out the back. Um, uh, it's like a circular saw, but for stone <laughs> and giant. Uh, and uh, it keeps digging in. And um, every time like it moves in, it's like those little pistons go like and pull it forward, like pull out, sh- shoot a little bit forward and pull the thing forward. And then it does a circle and then continues that process. Uh, it takes a little bit of time. Um, but after a minute, you start hearing voices. Uh, and, uh, basically about like, I'd say 20 minutes into it, uh, it breaks way and it slows down and stops and you see, uh, an unconscious Desmond, uh, Cumberbatch, 
uh, and a uh, bloodied uh, Franklin Carter. Uh, but uh, as soon as the as soon as it cl- clears way, you see Franklin Carter has a uh, has his pistol leveled at you guys, and uh, and like he's like standing in front of Desmond like protectively. Uh, so I'll put up my hands and be like, Miss um, Smallthorn, if you would. Oh, it's okay, Professor. Uh, they came to rescue us. Well, all right. And he uh, lowers the hammer on his gun, looks at all of you, and uh, uh, doesn't lower the gun completely. He just lowers the hammer on it. And he goes, I take it as a kindness if you all stand back. Hands off weapons. Sure. <laughs> I wasn't even touching my weapons. Professor, really, they, they, they could have just left me. They really could have, but they, they came and helped. He sits there, looks at you guys again suspiciously for a second, and then lowers the gun, holsters it, and goes, well, then you have my thanks. You're welcome. Marianne, are you all right? Yes, I'm fine. Just a slight pinning. I'm okay. <laughs> how's, how's Desmond? Uh, I had to put him under to make him not wrench his back, but he should be fine in, in, you know, by the end of the day. Yes, it seems um, when we went to go fetch your things, they had been stolen, and we found them in a tent occupied by Galahad Glynn. What, Team Fiddleworth? Yes. Yeah, they're trying to just murder everyone. To win the race. Huh. We've already crossed paths with Augustus Lodge, so... And you survived both encounters? Yes. Impressive. Well, I just talked to Mr. Lodge. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Marianne, um, I'm glad to see you're all right, but you got to see what's in here. We have quite the breakthrough on our hands. She immediately steps up and like runs up to the tunnel and she's like, really? And he's like, yep. The, the, uh, all of our speculation paid off, uh, down this tunnel, true sealed temple of the sapiens. Uh, we barely have started to, to crack through the, def- the defenses, but let me tell you, uh, this is, this is, uh, more preserved than I've seen any other, uh, temple. And she like claps her hand and is like, I can't wait. Uh, she turns back to you guys. Um, do you mind? <laughs> nope. Okay. And she darts down the tunnel and, uh, 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 Franklin, uh, Carter, uh, grins and then turns back to you guys and goes, uh, thank you really, uh, for, for rescuing us. I wasn't sure how I was going to get out of here. My only hope was to work my way out whatever other exit there might be. Well, we're glad that we heard um, Miss Smallthorn. So happy to help. I suppose good luck is in order. I assume you're you're going to continue forward in the race. Of course. Excellent. You needn't worry about us. I think we're going to have our hands full here for a while. Uh, Did you need us to... um let Mr. Towley know? Oh, no, he knows. All right. <laughs> this is more like a, a, a field trip experience than an actual race for these students. Right. Yeah, uh, we, we, uh, we try our best to participate in the race uh, to the best of our abilities, but if we stumble across something like this, uh, that takes priority. Of course. Uh, archaeological excavations are much more important than a silly race. Indubitably. <laughs> but uh, I do wish you luck. Uh, as, five, as of my last talk with Duncan Furter, I think you, uh, you guys are in, in going to be in third place? 
That's, after you move past us? That's the hope. That's good. That's great. I get small again. Do you know what Dunkinverter is? It is your sixth time through the race. Oh, uh, yes. I, I mean, he like looks a little confused and goes, well, I, I mean, yes, it, I, I've known Dunkinverter for some time. So you've known Dunkinverter singular for some time. He kind of <laughs> shrugs and is like, <laughs> it's complicated. You're the professor. Explain it. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, it's, uh, <laughs> honestly, Mr. Quaglin, it's not my place. What happened to your friend there? And he points at Barnabas's bloody ear. So there I was. <laughs> I had just taken sniper fire from Galahad Glynn, which I narrowly avoided pointing to his shoulder. And then he goes in the story about how he heroically saved his friends from the automatons and and had Galahad Glynn on the run. Uh, as you're as you're telling him the whole uh, the whole story, he's like, uh huh, uh huh, and he's looking in his jacket for something. And he's like, seems to be like thumbing through some stuff. He goes, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, very very daring. Yes, of course. And he, he pulls out a, a vial. Uh, he's like, here, uh, drink this, and he hands it to you. What Artemis. is it? It'll help with the healing process. Oh well, thank you, professor. Yeah, it sh- should be better by the end of the day. Also. Perhaps after the race, any chance I could uh, have a look in here? Uh, I mean, yeah, we're going to be posted up here. We're going to have a full excavation team. Honestly, Mr. Gunsby, by the time you, uh, you're done with the race, the, this will be uh, uh, well on its way to excavated and uh, mostly secure. So you're more than welcome to stop in and take a peek after what you've done for these students, of course. Very good. Thank you. I take a, a drink of stuff. It's a bit bitter. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, he he grabs the vial and goes, well, I should go make sure Marianne doesn't trigger any Hold traps. On. Okay, we just saved your life. <laughs> Give me a damn hint. What is Duncan You are going to be on our way. <laughs> I pick him up and we start walking away. You can't hide the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Professor. Uh, good luck. Uh, same to you. Uh Hopefully uh, you can uh, just jump two more ranks and get right there. I think you should officially withdraw. With Team Fiddleworth trying to get people out of the race by any means necessary, if you're not going to be racing, it might be prudent that you don't suffer another, another cave-in. That's fair. I don't really have a mean, means of, uh, of... Well, hold on one second. And he reaches, uh, he reaches in uh, to his jacket, produces like a notepad, uh, and writes something out, uh, signs it, um, and, uh, he kneels down, rummages through Desmond's bag, pulls out like a little, uh, a little stick of wax, melts the wax with, uh, with like uh, a fire starter, dips it on the paper, seals it with his ring, rips the paper out of the journal. He goes, this ought to do it. Just give this to Duncan Furter next time you see him. All right, we'll do. We'll find the truth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, what does it say? The first part is an official resignation, like, dear Duncan Furter, mm-hmm. uh, I regret to inform you that Team Tally is going to be backing out of the race. Um, official resignation and all that, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then the second part is like, now please forward the rest of this to, uh, to Professor Tally. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just like, we found it. <laughs> uh, send men, uh, these are the coordinates, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like his signature, his seal, and uh, yeah, he hands it back to you. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, 
uh, he, uh, he goes and reaches out his hand to you. I reach out my hand. He takes it, kisses your fingers, gives you an, a bow, and he goes, thank you, milady. The pleasure's mine. And then we go back to the skiff and ride off into the sunset. Um, so we all reconvene back at the skiff and uh, drive away, Mr. Quaglin. Yeah, I fucking like, drive the skiff. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you guys continue on the way. The rest of the journey goes without um, any uh, real event. And it event- was our best lead. <laughs> <laughs> except for except for Zeke freaking out about Duncan Furter for a bit. <laughs> follows. Uh, and then uh, uh, you feel as the air, like the wind seems a little colder, and then you see the shore. Can I just go straight into the ocean? If the sand goes straight into the ocean. It does. Then yes. I take her onto the sea. Yep. Reluctantly. <laughs> uh, you, you don't even lose any momentum. Just continuing on, the, the tide rolls in and you just hit it and it pulls you out to sea and you just keep moving. Uh, now you're a raft on top of the ocean. And yeah, you guys uh, have to, uh, it doesn't take you long. Like it's even, it's only like a few hours before you uh, get to the first uh, big island of Sulari. Uh, basically, Sulari has a mainland and then a very large main island off to the side and then a few smaller islands surrounding that island. Um, and so you guys pass uh, Rayo Harbor, um, which is uh, encompasses one of the southernmost uh, island uh, and off way off in the distance you can see uh, the shape that is uh, the island that has the city of Keandru on it. How long of a journey does it look to be to go to Keandru? Uh, basically, uh, the sun has begun to set, um, and uh, you guys will probably get to the main island, uh, which would probably then be like a 30 to 45 minute walk from the shore to actually Keandru. Um, but like to, to shore up on the island, uh, it'll probably be sunrise. I can help. All right. I try and sleep. Okay. It doesn't I... go well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Uh... Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, he sits up and looks over thinking maybe there's an Aodin ray there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I shall drive us to the island. As the sun is beginning to rise... Glinting off of your brass hat, <laughs> Talia. Woo! <laughs> oh, Gerald, they're not too keen on um, technology here. So, um, would, do you want to just be quiet, or shall I um, power you down for a little bit? Woo, woo. All right, we'll see how it goes. Woo. Okay, quiet though. Woo, woo. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, you, uh, approach the shore. It's a little like a bit of a rocky shore. Um, uh, but you, uh, you find, you find the shore of the island, you, you pull up and as you guys are, uh, uh, pulling up, um, a couple people in, uh, like leathery uniforms holding, uh, spears and crossbows, uh, come to greet you. Hello. Hi. What's your business on the island? Oh, we're members of the Atroposian Circuit. Mm, okay. Uh, Team Jollypot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, well, one of them sighs, looks at the other, and he's like, it's your turn. <laughs> All right. Well, 
I'm going to need to see all of the tech you have. We're going to have to register it all. I'm going to need names, and uh, I will give you item numbers for each of your each of your pieces of gear that uh, is under restriction. Some will be confiscated and returned to you. Some will not. I uh, understand uh, the checkpoint is Keyandrew, right? You need to make it to the city of Keyandrew like the other teams? Yes. All right. How many other teams? Uh, two so far. You're the third. Thank you. Uh, so let's hop to it. I I suspect you're in a hurry. <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah. Right. Yes. It'd right, be appreciated. Right pain in my ass. This race. No offense to you guys. It's just you know a whole other aspect to my job. I have to do. Uh, where will we collect these after we um, surrender them? They'll surrender them to us. We'll take them into Keyandrew with you. We'll bring them. Uh, we'll bring them to the constable's office in Keyandrew. Uh, you'll have uh, certificates of ownership. You can get them, and we will escort you out of Sulari. Some of your some of your items certainly are not uh, don't need to be confiscated. Some of them can probably just be you know. We can give you a certificate saying it's okay for you to carry it, and so on and so forth. It's a whole lot of bureaucracy. I own a stick, robes, and this gun. Are we good? Mm. The gun's wood. Yeah, but still, it's not going to work. Any firearms are going to have to be uh, uh, are going to have to be confiscated. That makes sense. Here you go. Um, what is that on your back, Miss? Uh, they're wings. Okay. Well. That's definitely going to have to be confiscated. <laughs> I, I feed as much. All right. Um, uh, do you want to leave the skiff here or do you want to take it with you? Where's our next checkpoint? Uh, your next checkpoint is... Is uh, it across a desert or ocean? <laughs> <laughs> well, you could you could go on the water. Uh, basically, you have two options. It's uh, it's on the coast, the west northwestern coast of Arakrith. There is a peninsula that juts out, um, so it, it wouldn't be a straight shot uh, uh, like along the coast. You have to kind of like go out and follow that peninsula around, um, or you could just shore up on the peninsula and go on foot. At that point, you can go across the ocean to hit that peninsula so you can jump right off in Arakrith, a country that doesn't have a tech ban. Um, otherwise, uh, you can take the mainland, which is like the more direct route to hop onto the mainland and go. Uh, the mainland is uh, a rife, mountainous jungle, very difficult to traverse. Also, on the mainland, the tech ban is much, much more... Uh, strict. Uh, they don't even do check-ins. It's like you are you are heretics if you walk around with tech. Uh, so that part, uh, while being maybe more direct, might be slower. Uh, so that one's all up to you guys. So uh, I actually, if we want to sail to the other side of the island, um, I can actually change this from a boat to a plane. It'll last probably a day or two at the most. But then we could just fly over she's not wrong sounds good to me so is that a yes to the pontoon no to the pontoon because i'm gonna have to get some more guys to take this pontoon into the the main part of the island where key and drew is scale of one to ten how are they gonna be cool with us taking this with us when we leave i mean yeah it's a pontoon like, yeah like this this thing no, 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 you don't even need a ticket for this thing. This is just yours. <laughs> it's a raft. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, get some more guys. All right. Hold on one second. And he, like, whistles a little bit, and a bird flies down and lands on his finger. 
uh, more like on his hand because <laughs> he's a gnome, uh, lands on his hand. And he, uh, he whistles at the bird a little bit and like ties a little note to his uh, foot and then sends him off. And he's like, all right, my guys will come here and get it. Um, so uh, let's look at what you got. Uh, is there anything you guys are trying to bring through? Uh, your sword, any, any melee weapon is going to be fine. Uh, your armor will be fine. Um, uh, your wings and firearms are not options. <laughs> any, any gadgets you have are, are uh, not options. Right. Um, the things I have that are actually mechanical other than Gerald, who I'm pretending that is he's just a regular hat. All right, we'll get to that cunning role in a moment. Um, <laughs> uh, is a messenger sphere and a portable, and I'm happy to have both of those. Okay, they, they give you tickets for, for that. I hand off my gun. Cool, they take your gun, give you a ticket for it. Uh, Barnabas, they take all of your all of your firearms. They're like, all right, is that the last one? Oh, there's another one? Okay, all right. Wow, this is a big gun. Yes, I actually put the modifications on myself. Gross. You see, what I did... It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. so heavy and metal. Ugh. All right. And they uh, set it down, give you a ticket for it, and they're like, I mean, I don't mean to judge your lifestyles, but gross. Uh, what's with the hat? Oh, it used to be an automaton, but... Um, they look suspiciously at you. But I had to pass it down for the boat. So it's just to remember him by. Ah. What? He, he was my only friend, actually. Friends with machines. Man, the world is so weird. Can I take a look at it? Sure. Just, you know, I just want to make sure it's not. Right. As I take my hat off, I push the power down button and everything flattens in. Yep. And it's a regular hat. Yep. Well, it's regular hat. Uh, and, uh, go ahead and roll, uh, cunning to try and convince him as he asks you a bunch of questions about it. Sure. 20. <laughs> uh, yeah. He goes now. Okay. But like, what's the point of these, these goggles? They don't even come off. Well, uh, uh, well one's got an, a map actually etched in it. If you shine a light through it. Ah, uh, but it doesn't shine a light outside of it. No. It's like, if you put it up to a candle, it would do the same thing. It's an etching. Uh huh. All right, why why wear a metal hat? I just don't understand. Sorry. People shoot at us. It's oh, like a helmet. Oh, it's a helmet. It's a weirdly shaped helmet. Yes. All right, yeah, you can you can have this. Uh, here's a but just in case, here's a little uh, a little writ saying that it's okay for you to have it. Thank you. Yeah. It's it a little manufactured, okay. but I understand. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I suppose we head in. Yeah. At this point, more guys have shown up, and they've started like attaching ropes to the, uh, to the pontoon, uh, to drag it inland. Uh, and, uh, they like pile some of your guys' stuff on top of it to make it easier to transport. Um, and, uh, the guy you guys have been talking to is like, all right, I'm going to stay here and supervise this. Uh, uh, this is, uh, Dirk. He's gonna, uh, he's gonna lead you into Key Andrew. Thank you, Dirk. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. You guys continue, uh, on your way. Uh, Eventually, you find yourself in Keyandrew. Um, it actually has buildings. Uh, it actually has roads. It doesn't have any vehicles. Um, and it seems like most of the buildings, uh, like you see, like uh, uh, a lot of the buildings have clotheslines tying them together. So there's like air dry and everything. And like uh, what few buildings you can see into as you enter uh, don't seem to have like 
you know, electricity or running water or anything like that. It seems like basically this was built as like as like a city in the gnomish fashion with like wooden uh, wooden and stone and earthly materials. Um, and then many of the like gnomish like technological advances like using clockworks and stuff like that have been like removed or at least put out of sight, it seems like. Uh, so everything is like – but. Everything is like relatively untechnologically advanced, but far from primitive. And uh, he goes, "All right, this is Key and Drew. Um, just a word to the right wise. You're gonna you're gonna get a little bit of derision, especially wearing a metal hat like that. Um, they're not gonna. If anyone gives you any trouble, you can talk to the constable. It's not you know we don't like roughing up our visitors, but uh, but you're gonna stand out. That's cool. Um, do you know where? The other teams have checked in. Well, you look at your notes, and uh, and it does say Duncan Furter is going to be in the courthouse. Do you know where the courthouse is? Could you show us? Um, I kind of got to get back. Could you point it out? But I can point it out. Yeah, you just go down the main thoroughfare here, and there's like a little roundabout with like a stone fountain. The courthouse is in that roundabout. Just like, you know, it's a larger like building. It's basically like a big log cabin. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, enjoy your stay in Key and Drew. We will. Okay. <laughs> and he turns and starts trudging back into the forest. All right. <laughs> Let's go check in. You guys follow the instructions, and uh, you get to that little, like, uh, main area. You definitely notice people, like, looking at you and, like, taking note of but you. But people always look at me. <laughs> What's up? How's it going? Hey. Hi. <laughs> And they whisper to each other. Um, and yeah, you get to the thoroughfare, you see uh, people like pushing carts around, people with like, you know, uh, like some with horse drawn carriages, some with donkey drawn carriages, some, some with uh, pony drawn carriages. Um, everything here is pretty small for all of you who aren't Zeke. Uh, it is definitely a gnomish city, uh, though they seem to have built it was, it seemed to have originally been built with the intention of. Uh, of possibly visitors. So it's not like you guys have to like crawl around to get into buildings and stuff. There are like larger buildings. Uh, uh, it's a good thing that gnomish architecture does like a lot of space, <laughs> which makes it so that, you know, the larger folk can actually like dip into these buildings. Um, and uh, the courthouse, you don't even have to duck at all to get into. Uh, it is large. And uh, you guys uh, uh, walk in. Yes. Uh, as you do, or when you do, there's a little like a uh, uh, lobby area uh, with uh, not a fountain, but like an actual pond inside of it. Um, and there's like a little gnomish kid like feeding the fishes. Uh, someone walks up to you. Um, she's holding a, a, a clipboard. And she goes, "Hi, hi. We're Team Jollypot. We're looking for Duncan Furter." Ah, you're you're with the you're with the Atroposian circuit. Okay. Um so you're gonna wanna go up those stairs and it's gonna be the first door on your left. Cool. Hey, can I ask you a question? Uh, sure. Does Duncan Furter seem weird to you? Yes. Do you have any idea what he is? I kinda try to stay clear of him. That makes sense. Thanks yeah. for your he, help. He wigs me out. Right? Yeah. It's weird. Like what is he? Well, that's a weird way to put it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we go there. Cool. <laughs> you guys uh, open it up, and it, is, it seems to be living quarters. There's a, a large bed, uh, uh, a tall person-sized bed uh, with uh, drapes. And um, uh, you open it up, and uh, stepping out of, uh, out of like a side room, 
Same uh, coattails, same black hair, same pencil mustache and pale skin. Duncan Furter approaches. Oh, hello. Oh, I'm sorry. I would have expected a knock, but uh, uh, I'm Duncan Furter, and uh, you are... Barnabas Gunsby, and we are Team Jollypot. <laughs> ah, yes, Team Jollypot. Good, good. All right, one moment. He produces a clipboard, uh, pulls out a quill, uh, and he goes, Now, I suppose you'd like to know the standings of the race? Uh, before you do, I have something for you. Oh. I hand him, and I hand him the note uh, from um, uh, Professor Carter. While this is happening, I would like to slip away, heroically if possible. <laughs> <laughs> and investigate what he was doing in that other room. <laughs> Go ahead and roll heroics, and then roll uh, roll uh, dexterity to sneak. <laughs> That's a one on heroics. I think it's like a minus six. A minus four to your sneaking. It's a tier two on sneaking. Uh, so... Uh, he grabs the note. He kind of he unfolds it with one hand. He has the clipboard uh, pressed uh, under his his left arm, uh, and he's reading it. And he goes, "Ooh, oh my, ooh!" And you like see your opportunity, and you start edging around to his left, like to try and slip by him to go into that room. And uh, as you do, he just drop like lazily drops the clipboard down. He goes, oh, "You just stay right there, Mister Quaglin. This is my room after all." You know, I assume that was the bathroom. We've been on the high seas for a while, and I really gotta go. Nah, yes. Well, you can talk to the people in the lobby for that. Please, please. I, I prefer my privacy. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure you can hold it, as he says, as he finishes reading it. He goes, are you? Mr. <laughs> 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 <Stay> Quagley. <laughs> uh, he, finishes, he finishes reading it, and he folds it up. He goes, whoa, that's quite an upset. And he, uh, he folds it away and he goes, thank you for delivering that to me. Of course, I can tell it's, uh, it is, in fact, non-fabricated. That's good. Uh, otherwise, I'd have to disqualify you. But, but he goes, no, but this is an interesting turn of events. Uh, uh, the court elite will be quite interested with this development. Uh, let me go ahead and just make a little change here to my notes. All right. So uh, with that new information, with Team Tally's resignation, um, let me uh, tell you the current standings of the race. In first place, we have Team Cornfoot. In second place, Team Basington. In third place, the three of you, Team Jollypot. Congratulations. Thank you. In fourth place, now of course, I must We've heard know. the spiel. Okay, I just want to make sure I can't be can't be certain that you understand. Yes, you can. <laughs> then in that case, in fourth place, Team Holmes. In fifth place, Team Odlin. Sixth place, Team Adams. Seventh place, Team Torchinovich. And eighth place, Team Fiddleworth. And then uh, Towley, Cups, Nightingale, and Silver have all conceded the race. Um, has Team Fiddleworth checked in since day in? Mm, no. How odd. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it, it is it is quite strange. They must be lost in the per- forest. Perhaps. Yes. Maybe they trying to do the race in reverse. You know, I haven't sent word to the, to the last checkpoint. I mean, they never struck me as as unintelligent, but they are a bit rough around the edges. Perhaps they don't know how to read. A lot of head injuries. Uh, I can imagine. 
Well, um, something to ponder. I suppose so. There's quite a lot of teams dropping out, though. Yeah, you tend to see this once, uh, once some of the teams start to get closer to the end. Those teams that care less about the journey and more about the victory, uh, throw in the towel. I see. Shameful. Quiet. They throw in the towel-y. I don't get it. Sure. Of <laughs> course you don't. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, really a disappointment to the Cordelite. Quite, yes. Mm. I, I'm sure their benefactors feel the egg on their face. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Duncan Furter. Of course. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine. He takes your hand and leans in and gives you a kiss on the hand. <laughs> I realize that sounded wrong. Uh, leans in and gives you a kiss on the fingers. He goes, milady. Sir. Hey, this is off topic. Do you know any good jokes? No. Mm. I can't say that I do. Sorry, humor's never been one of my strong suits. Interesting. Interesting. Good to see you, Duncan Furter. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> we leave. All right. Yeah. You guys uh, leave. Uh, oh, and as you do, oh, Mr. Quaglin, uh, the bathroom is down in the lobby. Go through the door across from the stairwell and uh, you'll find it there on your left. Whatever. Well, you're welcome. I say it under my breath. We leave. <laughs> he, uh, he shuts the door. I'm going to figure it out. We have more I'm pressing sure, issues. Z. Whatever. Let's go collect our things and just be on our way. You can meet the next one. Yeah, I need more data. <laughs> uh, as you guys leave the... Uh, uh, as you guys leave the court, blah, blah, blah. as you guys leave the courthouse, uh, a young, uh, not young, uh, a gnome with blonde hair uh, runs up to you. She's wearing a uh, a white, simple dress, uh, very, very plain. Obviously, like made from uh, like probably hemp, natural materials. Um, she doesn't have anything fancy on her, but she does run up to you with a with a piece of parchment, and uh, and she goes, "Do you have a?" Uh, do you have a moment to listen to uh, to the words of the Arbiter's Puritans? I think I I'm sorry, but I'm afraid we are very much in a rush. You see, we're part of a great race, and we need to be on our way as soon as possible. I regret not being able to hear what you have to say, but I'm afraid we must be moving on. Ah, but outsiders are the ones who need to hear the word of the Arbiter the most. Technology is the devil. Technology will end your world in fire uh, and death. I feel like we got the message here. <laughs> we'll take a pamphlet. Sure. She hands you a pamphlet. <laughs> and it's like, find grace in, in, uh, in the simple life. And it shows like uh, a drawing of like two people like, you know, tilling a garden with like just rudimentary tools. Great. We leave. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought I was against technology, but apparently my wooden gun is too industrial. So <laughs> let's just get out of here. <laughs> this is a weird place. Uh, you guys uh, start heading your way towards where you think the constable's office might be. Uh, and uh, as you're about to turn the street, 
You hear a uh, scream. Let's go be heroes. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. You guys, like, as if it is, it is like your job, you guys. Pick your speed up and run around the corner to go check out what it is. And lo and behold, there's a dead body in the middle of the street. Well, this one seems like it's over. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> um, yeah, there is a, uh, a, a dead uh, gnomish man uh, laying on the ground wearing very simple clothes uh, spread out next to him on the road. You see pamphlets similar to the one you were handed just a minute ago. Um, and driven into his chest is a knife that seems to be made out of different cog works. Um, and uh, he's stabbed straight through the heart, very dead. There's someone who apparently had just opened up their their uh, uh, window to dump out their morning chamber pot. Uh, and they, uh, they saw him there. <laughs> Before or after? <laughs> she dropped the chamber pot. <laughs> so uh, is there like a crowd... Uh, momentar- momentarily, there's not, but other people come to the sound of the screams. Okay, quick team meeting. I realize we've been vigilante justice in like the last four towns we've gone to. Maybe we just call the cops and let them handle this one. What are you three doing here? What happened here? What did you see? We heard a scream and we saw this dead guy. Hmm. He that lady can corroborate. <laughs> uh, you point the window is now empty. She's junked inside her house. You can go ask her. Surely she still lives there. Well, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll just see about that. I'll ask her. I'll I'll ask her what she has to say. But she looks suspiciously at your hat. This is a, a gentleman who seems to be in some kind of uh, rudimentary uniform, similar to the uniforms you saw uh, uh, on the coastline, um, and. Uh, but he's wearing a, a funny, a funny little like tricorn hat um, with like a badge on it, <laughs> uh, and uh, he looks he looks at your your hat, Talia. Uh, we all have our quirks, and I hand him the <laughs> piece of paper that uh, says that it's all right for me to have it. And hat. and uh, he like looks at the paper, looks at you, and he goes, "Uh huh." Well, I'm gonna need you to take you into the constable's office to get a statement. That's fine. We were going there anyway. Before really? The, before the scream. Mm-hmm. Suspicious. No, not really. Why would that be suspicious? Well, it's where our there's things zero are. zero things about that statement that are suspicious. <laughs> Just let me walk you through the scenario you've set up. I don't need to listen we're, to your... You think we're murderers <laughs> who were about to go turn ourselves in at the constable. Maybe you were. Is this a confession? <laughs> no, because we didn't kill him. Is it that way? I go that way. <laughs> no, you're coming with me. And he, he, he grabs onto your arm. Do we continue going the way I was going? We might be. <laughs> Just give me a second. Don't no one go anywhere. All right. I may not have your, your mainland uh, uh, highfalutin elite logic. He like does air quotes and he goes, but there's a group of people here that are. Some special investigators straight from Evanglass looking into the Cogwork killer, and they're going to want a statement from you. Okay, are they better cops than you? They're the best. Good. Let's <laughs> go there now. <laughs> no, just wait a second. And then he looks and he sees another, another constable coming. He's like, all right, you, you take statements of the witnesses. Start with that house over there. No one touched the knife. 
It's always with the cogwork knife. I'm sure it's connected somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's the murder weapon. <laughs> evidence. <laughs> you seem to know an awful lot about murder. I'm going to pick this man up by the collar of his shirt, and we're going to walk to the constable's office. Hey, you unhand me. How? You, this is, I let we... him hold on to my hand the whole way. It helps him feel better about this. <laughs> he kicks and screams and like kicks you in the shin a couple of times. He's like, Stop! Let go <laughs> you let go of me. I'm the law. <laughs> yes, you are. Let's go. Is there a, a better law? <laughs> this is incredibly demeaning. Yeah. <laughs> you should improve at this. <laughs> uh, you walk in with me. He's like, take a left. <laughs> 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 and you carry him. I carry him to the door. Yeah. And then not to, you know, embarrass him in front of his co-workers. I put put him down. Well, a lot of people see you carrying him. I know, but not his co-workers. And then as soon as you set him down, he turns, straightens off, straightens up his jacket and kicks you in the shin really hard. Oh, um, ow. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you think about that before mm. you try to lay a hand on an officer of, of the law Are again. we going inside or do I have to throw you in? There? I go inside. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you wait in. He's like, all right, all right. Then there's the holding, the, the, the room we're going to take your statement in. Right through there. I'll go get the special investigators. I go there. Uh, yeah, you guys enter. It's a, it's a room with a table as uh, four chairs. So three of you can sit at the table. Convenient. Are they little <laughs> tiny gnome chairs? This particular room is, uh, is not gnome size. It appears this is the room where they interrogate the full-sized people. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so you guys in there, uh, stone table, wooden chairs. Um, there's a little window with bars letting some, some of the uh, morning light in. Sure. And, uh, and you hear, uh, after a minute, you hear voices. Yeah, I, I found them at the scene of the crime. They're all yours, Inspector. Well, we'll just see what, uh, what, uh, they, what they have to say for themselves, huh? Yeah, we'll see what they have to say for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> you just leave the stars, the, uh, the, the inspectors, yeah. <laughs> and uh, door opens up and in walk... Uh, Theodore, Heathrow, and Fisk. Uh, they have little, little, uh, uh, badges pinned to their chests. And they, and they walk in all, like, huffing and puffing. And, uh, uh, as they do, they all try to fit through the door at the same time. Uh, and they can't quite make it. They back up. <laughs> they try to fit through the door again. And they back up. And, uh, uh, Fisk turns to, uh, Heathrow and he's like, you go on the back. And then uh, uh, he jumps on uh, he jumps on Fisk's back. He's like, "No, not my back!" And uh, he pulls him off, slaps him, or tries to. But <laughs> he throw uh, ducks and he slaps Theodore instead. And then Theodore tries to smack <laughs> Fisk, and Fisk Fisk turns to face you guys, and and uh, he throw gets bonked on top of the head. And then Theodore, or, and then Fisk leads them in. Uh, Fisk with a uh, uh, a very uh, harsh bull cut. Um, Theodore with, uh, uh, curly, wiry hair, uh, who, that's also kind of balding a little bit in the middle. And, uh, uh, Heathrow is, uh, is a larger man with a shaved head. And, uh, Fisk looks at you and he goes, all right, now why'd you do it? I wanted you to just tell me that. We didn't. Hmm. They say they didn't. Well, what do we ask him now? <laughs> you ask us what we saw. Yeah. What he said. We came around the corner and found a dead body. Uh-huh. That's suspicious. No, it's not. Oh, all right, then. Then what happened? Then we got arrested and brought here. 
Nah, well, they wouldn't arrest you if you was innocent, now would they? No, they would. They they look at each other a little bit, <laughs> not sure what to do, and they're like, and then uh, uh, Theory goes, hey, I know you. Yeah, we're Team Jolly Pot. Yeah, they're Team Jolly Pot. Ah, Team Jolly Pot, huh? You're, you're coming to uh, to win the race, huh? Well, maybe we should just clap them in irons, lads. What do you think? That'd well, be I- cheating. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> nah, that checks out. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, uh, there's there's uh, the one chair left, and uh, uh, Fisk goes to uh, grab the chair and pull it so he can sit uh, uh, at the like head of the table and look at the three of you. Um, but as he pulls it, uh, 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 Heathrow goes, oh, thanks, and grabs it and pulls it for himself to sit in, and, and uh, Fisk falls down to the ground and uh, turns and like slaps, uh, stands up and slaps uh, Heathrow and for good measure slaps Theodore and then grabs the chair and sets it down and then sits in it, and he goes... All right, now tell me what you know about the clockwork killer. Nothing. Then why were you there where, you got, where they, they done murdered somebody? Coincidence? That's an interesting story. Now no, here's it's the re- not. <laughs> now here's the real question. Can you help us find him? <laughs> <laughs> Between you guys and me, we're not special investigators from Evanglass. These are just pins that the Paldorans gave us for good behavior. And you look at it, you look at it, uh, uh, Zeke, and you see it's like, it's like what they give children for, yeah. for like, who want to be constables in Paldorus. They're like, just like metal with like a stamp of like Paldorus military on it. <laughs> Let me consult with my associates here for a minute. All right, well, I'll consult with mine. <laughs> you do that. And they all turn to each other and they're like talking and, you know, every once in a while they slap each other and pull on each other's hair. <laughs> What do you guys think? I think that if we just break off the door handle, they'll never be able to get out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, do we have a moral obligation to solve this murder? (laughs) I'm kind of leaning towards no. (laughs) I think these fine officers of the law have this handled. And we should not interfere with their business. Cripes. <laughs> I guess, what would Jolly Pot say? What would Jolly Pot say? Because he wants to win. He does. And they're ahead of us. Not right now. <laughs> That's true. Cornfoot is. That's true. And they're just going to get further ahead. That's also true. We are about to build a plane. That's also true. <laughs> But we can't let the fine people of this I village... I think we're solving city. a murder. All right. We're <laughs> solving a murder. I think we make a deal with them that they don't leave this room. That's, there's no way that goes well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't I want to work with them. They're going me, to get us killed. Here's the thing. All right. I believe, based on observing these three men, that it's not possible to contain whatever force compels them. <laughs> I think any attempt to try and interfere with whatever unseen projection guides their course (laughs) will surely result in our own destruction. (laughs) You say this as you see them, uh, like, basically playing, like, a game of one person pulls a chair to sit on it and the other person pulls a chair to sit on it and the other person pulls the chair to sit on it and they're just fighting over who gets to sit in the chair, but each one of them just falls, stands up, slaps the other, then tries to take the chair, falls, stands up, slaps the other. I think perhaps... These three men represent the most powerful weapon of mass destruction known to man. <laughs> and that's sheer dumb luck. One day. One day. 
Sounds good to me. Um, Fisk. Eh? What'd you come up with? He gets the chair, he yanks the chair out of their hand, slaps both of them twice, and then sits down in it. Nah. Lay it All on right. me, big guy. We're gonna help you solve this murder. All right. And what you're gonna do, uh-huh, is whatever you want. Whatever we want. Is this some kind of trick? No. There is one condition. You do have to try and solve the murder. So no just leaving and letting us do this for you. Well, I mean, we have these badges. We have, we have to we have to honor these badges. You're right. You do have to honor those badges. Yeah. We're 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 maybe not be official officers of law, but but we're basically officers of law. Yeah, I'm basically a lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. So we will help you for one day. And in that one day, this murder will be solved <laughs> one way or another. I like your confidence, kiddo. Let's do it. And he shakes out, he re, uh, puts his hand out to shake your hand. I reach out to shake his hand right before and surely you sh- something goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you go to shake his hand, uh, Theodore uh, shakes uh, uh, Fisk's hand. He's like, no, I'm not shaking your hand. I'm shaking his hand. And while he's shaking uh, uh, Theodore's hand, he reaches out uh, his hand again to shake his other hand to shake your hand. And uh, Heathrow grabs that hand. So then uh, Fisk is sitting there shaking both their hands. He's like, no, I want to shake your hand. I walk hands. out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I pat him on the thigh as we go. I'm like, go get him. <laughs> You're like, oh, my hand. <laughs> and you shut the door behind you. <laughs> Talia seriously considers breaking off the handle. <laughs> we could do it. <laughs> I'm leaving. You do what you gotta. <laughs> Cripes. <laughs> Inside you hear, boom, ding, boom. <laughs> my eye on <laughs> All right, I go find whoever seems the most in charge here. <laughs> Uh, you open up what seems to be like the head constable's office, and that one officer who you guys carried in uh, is is sitting there behind the desk, and he's like, "Hey, it's you guys. Who let you out?" The special investigators deputized us. We're on the case now. No, oh, yeah, that's a likely story. Maybe I uh, I don't accept that deputization. It isn't their jurisdiction. And then you hear behind you. What are you doing in my chair? Get out of my chair. <laughs> You're like, oh, yes, sir, sir. Oh, thank God. And he jumps up and like does like a salute like behind you guys. And then run, and, and he's like, I got your coffee just like you asked. And then he runs out. And then uh, uh, an older gnome with, uh, with handlebar mustache uh, uh, comes in. Please tell me that's nepotism. All right, guy. Yeah, he's one of my nephews. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, but, you know. Blood's blood. Got to give the kid a job. At least let him try. I try to keep him out of trouble for the most part. Honestly, there's not really much going on around here until the Cogwork Killer come into town. When did that start? Sure, um, a few months ago, I think. Well, it's a good thing those special investigators from Evanglass decided to show up. Hopefully, they can uh, they can sort it out. Now, I heard I heard you y'all was deputized. Yeah, we're um. We, they deputized us. They they asked for our help to consult on the case. Oh, yeah. you We're outside- very successful private investigators. Okay, well, that makes sense. You outsiders like to stick together. No offense, Mint. Um, uh, and uh, he sits he sits behind the desk, and he, he grabs the coffee and takes a bit, and he's like, oh, nope, not drinking tonight. <laughs> <laughs> can't, kid can't even make a good cup of coffee. Uh, all right. Um, how long has the, um, the arbiter of, what, what were they called? Uh, the Arbiter's Puritans. How long have the Arbiter's Puritans been around? Uh, Arbiter's Puritans been around here about oh, going on a year now. Okay. Yeah. Just they, a uh, 
there are people from the mainland, uh, not your mainland, but the Surai mainland, uh, who really, really like to listen to the Arbiter's way of thinking when it comes to uh, uh, technology and uh, primitive, simple life. Uh, we here at Key and Drew, wow, we don't dislike those sentiments, but uh, our, where we draw the line on technology is a little different on where others draw the line on technology. That's why uh, people like you with your fancy manufactured hat <laughs> are allowed to walk our streets and aren't hung up by tree posts. That's very generous. Well, it just seems to make sense to me. But yeah, uh, Cogwork Killer been been killing uh, for a few months now. Who are the victims? Has there any, been any link between them? Well, funny you should mention the Arbiter's Puritans. Uh, they all part of that little uh, conglomerate. Uh, Where do you keep the cogs? What? Well, there's there's holes where cogs and clockworks and things used to be. We saw them as we walked into town. Where do you keep them? They're not out anymore. Oh, people keep them where they keep them. We didn't, like, round them up. Oh. But uh, my current working theory is that uh, the cogwork killer is uh, is um, killing people who advocate for stricter tech ban here in Key and Drew, namely the Arbiter's Puritans, since that's who he's been killing. Seems to make sense to me. I just, uh, I can't just tell them to leave. They take it out. They aren't going to give in to such demands, they say. Um, but he's, that's the only person he seems interested in killing. Them that, uh, go around telling everyone that they need to change their lives and, and strike down these buildings and, and live in dirt huts and get rid of our free-flowing plumbing. And uh, and our aqueduct that what gives us fr- clean water. That's ridiculous, right? That's what I thought, but I didn't think it was so uh, so wrong that I was gonna go around killing them. I mean, that's just the foundation of any free society. I don't know. Anywho, why don't why don't you um just round them up and send them off to the mainland for I'm their not, own protection? I'm not the arbiter. I don't dictate. We here in Kendrew, we're free folk. We step to the Arbiter's tune to a point, but I ain't gonna just take a leaf out of his book and round people up and make them live where they want to, or where they might not want to live. These people are entitled to their opinions, just like I'm entitled to think that they're dumb wits. All right. Well, um, I could be bait. That seems like a quick way. All right. All right. Do you have like any pamphlets from the Arbiter's? You'll need a white smock. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna, um, in old Paldoris, we used to call it a sting where we, you know, set up like bait basically for criminals to come and they to like do a crime and then they'd get stung. Like they stuck their hand into a hornet's nest. The hornets are police in this scenario. I mean, I I follow the procedure. I get it. Great. (laughs) I guess I'm going to be bait. Do you have any like Arbiter's Puritans, you know, we could talk to I mean, yeah. Or like clothes. If you like to join up with them, I'd think they'd be rather willing, since their numbers is a thinning. That tracks. Can you point us in the right direction? I mean, you can find them most places, but uh, uh, their leaders are uh, uh, holed up in the uh, uh, in the inn on the main thoroughfare. Uh, names are uh, Dagon, Lucinda, and Kilwin, if memory serves. All right. Well, um... If you could tell your nephew to please not arrest us again. Well, no promises there, but I'll try. Appreciate it. In one ear, out the other, you know. Yeah. 
Also, if in like 45 minutes, the special investigators haven't gotten out of the interrogation room, you might want to check on them. Well, that's a strange request, but okay. They they might get too lost in, in conversation about the case and might need reminding to get out and do field work. All right. That's why they, they wanted us to consult. We have experience in the field. Sure. I'll, uh, I'll, give, a, I'll give them a look in in, uh, in an hour. That's great. You could, it could even be an hour and a half. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we go to the inn. Sure. Uh, you guys walk in. Uh, it's, it's like walking into a medieval tavern. Uh, <laughs> uh, candlelit um, uh, tables with the wax overflowing onto them. Uh, uh, there's uh, uh, you guys uh, who are not Zeke do have to duck a little bit more here. Um and uh, uh, you walk in, and the um, bartender uh, waves at you, and she goes, Well, can I get you? Welcome, outsiders. Yeah, we're looking for the Arbiter's Puritans. Heard they were holed up here. Oh, oh well, yeah, I mean, they're here. Uh, let me see if I can I can go find them for you. Did you want anything to drink while I go look? Nah, we can't pay you. Well, then you're not getting any drinks. That's why I said no. Okay. <laughs> I'll just be right back. I gotta go see if they're in their room. Uh, so the uh, the bartender uh, goes upstairs for a minute and comes back down and goes, "Yeah, two of them are in. Uh, they're on their way down. Sure, you don't need a drink, nothing." We're literally not allowed to pay you. Nah, that's bollocks. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, after a couple minutes, uh, two people in white, simple clothing come down. They have a handful of pamphlets. Hi, I'd like to join your cause. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to say no to that. Um, Great. My name's uh, uh, Kilwin Zandu. I'm Zeke. All right, Zeke. Nice to meet you. This is uh, Lucinda Potter. Hi. Hi. And she looks over and sees Talia's hat and looks at, like, Barnabas's, like, you know, khakis and stuff. Uh, so she looks over, like... She looks over like their clothing and and uh, and ta- my clothing is handmade. <laughs> uh, and uh, Talia's hat, and she's like, "Strange company for someone who wants to join the Puritans." They've come to try and talk me out of it. Well, then get out of here. No, don't. I have to follow my heart, Talia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I tried. Uh, uh, Zeke, what are you doing? I'm following what I believe oh, in, Barnabas. He's lost to us. <laughs> Come on, Barnabas, let's go. I'm so sad. They look at you guys and they go, what the hell are you guys doing? We're sad. We leave. Losing (laughs) a big part of my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you really want. What's going on here? All right. Full disclosure, we're trying to catch the guy who's killing all of you. Oh, why didn't you just say that? I don't know. Because it's less entertaining. I was going to be bait, but I need to look like one of you. And it seemed, in hindsight, probably not the fastest way. <laughs> but it was the first thing I came up with. So do you want help or not? How long have you guys been in town? About 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you know this about... happens all the time. <laughs> Don't worry about it. How do you know about the killings? Well, we turned a corner, someone was dead, then a shitty constable arrested us. And, I really arrested him at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then um, the special investigators from Evanglass asked us to help. They look at each other and they're like, well, who's dead? Some guy. 
Some guy. I didn't know him. We've been here 45 minutes. Well, you didn't think to ask? No, we've been here 45 <laughs> minutes. We have to go. We have to go look into this. this uh, that's one of our friends. We have to see who it is. Oh, I hope it's not. Oh, we got go. We'll be back. And they go running down to investigate who, which one. This is why I just wanted to join. <laughs> now I know why I thought of that plan first. <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably have extra stuff in their room, right? Let's not go snooping around the rooms of recent murder victim targets after recently being arrested for murder suspicion, <laughs> however ridiculous that was. All right, so... I've got a flare. How many drinks can I get for a flare? <laughs> uh, the bartender's like, what the... What do you th- who do you think you are just coming in here throwing, throwing stuff like flares around? No, it's it's not technology. It's just it catches fire and stays fire pretty bright for a while. I don't know. It's a little fishy. I got a rope. I well, I'm not going to take a rope, but... Uh, do you want chalk? I mean, you have a flare, right? She looks around, <laughs> looks, <laughs> looks out the window. I mean, show me it. Yeah, I put it, like, I slide it across the bar real smooth-like. And she grabs it, looks at it from behind the bar, and she's like, all right. Yeah, yeah, I can get you guys some drinks for this. Thank God. And she opens up a floorboard and stuffs it down there and closes the floorboard. (laughs) Thank you, Zeke. So you guys just kind of sit in the bar and wait and have some drinks? Uh, So what what do you think of these recent rash of Cogworks murders? Oh, the Cogwork killer? Yes. Well, apparently he doesn't like the Puritans very much. That we've gathered. Yeah, I mean, I don't really like the Puritans very much, but, I mean, don't want to kill them. They're just folk. Has anybody been more outspoken about that? Uh, not one more than the other. I mean, it's just pretty much universally accepted that no one really likes them. Anyone come around here looking like they want to do murder? What? I don't really know how to answer that question. <laughs> well, to be fair... That's probably the most likely answer, but had you said yes, that would have been a huge break. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can't fault your logic there, but <laughs> kind of a shot in the dark, but all right, yeah. Uh, what about any locals advocating uh, more more technology to be put in use? Um, I mean, that's also kind of like spread around. There's not really like a unified front that's, you know, more technology. Like they honestly... Obviously, she gestures to her floorboard. There's a, a pretty strong influx of, of uh, uh, technology that's passed around on the down low. Uh, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're not telling anyone, I mean, like I got like a reading lamp, you know, yeah, we don't care. Like we're going to be out of here as soon as we can. Right. So so like there's there's no real like organization of people besides like the smugglers, but. Honestly, the tech ban's good for the smugglers, so... So the Puritans aren't making life hard for the smugglers? Nah. Okay. Nah, I mean, business is good. If, if the Puritans weren't hopping up, making, us have to, making everyone have to really hide their tech so that word doesn't get back to the mainland, then, uh, then the smugglers would have less work to do. All the prices have been real hiked up. You didn't hear that from me. Of course. Can you think of anyone who benefits from dead Arbiters Puritans? 
Well, n- no. I, honestly, that's that's what's got me confused about this. I don't really know. I mean, in my opinion, just killing a bunch of them is going to make them, you know, go running home and getting the Arbiter to really crack down on Key and Drew, and that would be terrible. Uh, so... Which one of them wasn't here of the three leaders that live here? Dagon. Dagon. Well, if he's not the one who was murdered in the street, that seems like a pretty good place to start. That's true. I guess we'll drink and wait. All right. This round's on me. Thank you. Uh, After like an hour and a half, they come in. Lucinda is crying. And Kilwin uh, guides her upstairs and then comes back downstairs. And he's like... It's a damn shame. Atticus was a good man. When's the last time you saw Dagon? Uh, Dagon? Well, uh, last night during our, 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 you know, our weekly meeting. Have you talked to him since then? Not since then, no. I mean, it's pretty early in the day. This is just a shot in the dark. Is Dagon the most militant of the three of you? Well, I don't know about that. I've I've always been told to cool it myself. Honestly, if you ask me... A cogwork killer is just a, just a side effect of the toxic nature of technology. People go mad with the power, and then they just go around killing people because it's really easy to do it, and they, and they, don't, they don't have to worry about it. I mean, guns, I mean, tell me about it. Like, you just move your finger and someone 100 yards away dies? That's ridiculous. I mean, if, if it wasn't for technology, right, but all people, people wouldn't even be dying at all. Stabbed with knives. Yeah, knives made out of cogworks. Right, but you're allowed to have knives not made out of cogworks. Yeah, but it's like sending a message. Right, but I guess my point is that it's not really technology. It's just paint on top of a thing that you have. I mean, if you ask me, whenever we find who, uh, whoever the cogwork killer is, we better hang them. Because, really? Yeah, because those that choose technology over peace, that's what happened to Sulrai. I don't know if you've read your history, sir, but Sulrai used to try technology, and then we almost all died. I'm from Paldoris. You don't need to lecture me. Where's Dagon? Uh, I mean, if you want to talk to Dagon, he, uh, he lives uh, down the road a little ways. In the, in the triangular-shaped hut at the end of the road, you take a left, and you'll find it. Okay. Now, listen. We have a theory that one of your own is perpetrating the cogwork killing <laughs> in order to get some of you to get all worked up. And bring more of you over from the mainland. Well, that's just ridiculous. Okay. Can I can I read him to see if he's being if he's acting funny at all when he is reacting to what Zeke said? Uh, go ahead and roll cunning. Thirteen tier two. As far as you can tell, this dude believes everything he's saying, and he actually thinks Zeke uh, like. Zeke's accusation is ridiculous. He goes, I mean, the knife is made out of cogworks. We wouldn't even handle cogworks. We'd turn them in. Sure. Okay. Well, we're going to go talk to Dagon. Sure. He'll tell you the same. Yeah. Okay. Are you okay with me being bait to try and lure out this vicious killer? I mean, he shrugs and goes, I mean, if you're willing to do it, we can provide you with the materials to do it. Uh, I got no problems with that. All right. Yeah, we'll take that and then we'll go talk to Dagon. Okay. And he goes and grabs a robe and some pamphlets and hands them to you. Cool. We get out of here. I'll put Gerald in my bag for now. Okay. We head to the Triangle Hut. Okay. Uh, yeah, you follow the directions. You find a little small hut uh, shaped like a triangle, a little uh, smoke coming out of the chimney at the top. 
And uh, you knock on the door. Yeah. I'm coming, I'm coming. Wait a second. Who is it? Yeah, my name is Zeke. We're special investigators from Avonglass looking into the Cogwork killings. Damn shame. Let me let you in. And uh, he opens the door. And he's like, hey, tall ones. Right, hey, come on in. Yeah, so we come, we go in. I'm Dagon Vex. I'm Zeke. Zeke? Talia. Hey. Barnabas Gunsby. Hey, pleasure to meet the three of you. Um, this was, don't tell me there was another killing. Yeah, Atticus was killed. <sighs> That's a damn shame. He was a good man. Well, have, have Lucinda and Kilwin uh, have Lucinda and Kilwin heard yet? Yeah, we just told them. Oh, good. They deserve to know. Well, honestly, this, these killings—they're—they're they're horrid. They're—it's really tearing at my spirit. How can I help? Well, we're just uh, covering all of our bases here. Um, what have you been up to lately? Since your meeting last night, uh, what have you been up to? Well, finished up the meeting. It was in the middle of the evening. I took a stroll around town and ended up back home. Made an early, made it an early night. Had some pot roast. Oh, yes. That sounds delicious. We had some leftovers. If you're peckish. Oh, no. I, we must continue is what he, we're doing. Is he older? No, no. Um, uh, he's got, um, like, a wide-set jaw. Uh, and um, Lucinda and Kilwin look pretty, like, cleaned up. Uh, look like they live a comfortable life. Uh, Dagan looks like he, like, works a field or something. Uh, he's, not, he's not that much older than, than uh, Kilwin or Lucinda. Maybe, like, a little bit older, but he's not, like, aged. Does he look spry at all? Yeah, I mean, like, they're they're maybe Zeke's age, the three of them. Oh, all right. Yeah. I'm just going to stick with my plan of telling people what we think and seeing how they react and seeing if that gives us any information. So I tell him. We've got a theory that maybe the killer is one of the Arbiter's Puritans trying to stir up a fervor back on the mainland oh, to that's launch horrid. a crusade. Oh. And then I try and read him. That's terrible. Roll cunning. <laughs> May I roll cunning too? Yep. All right. Can I read him heroically? No. <laughs> Barnabas has a tier two with 17. Tier three. I got a tier one. I'm not great at this. All right. So you watch him and he goes, oh, that's horrid. I mean, when you word it that way, it, it can make sense, I suppose. But who would come to that sort of conclusion? It's terrible. I, well, how can I help you find whoever's doing this? If that's what you believe, I, I want to I want to assist in whatever way I can. And uh, Talia, his eagerness to be involved in the investigation seems a little strange. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he definitely didn't get even offended at the idea. So either he's been thinking the same thing that you guys have been thinking and not doing anything about it, or he knows something. Um, yes, we would love to have your help. Do you have any theories about who it might be if it was someone in your ranks? No, it never even occurred to me that someone could do this. I thought we were a family. Well... Our plan was to use me as bait 
to try and lure out the killer. Can you think of where I would go to be bait? He like scratches at his like knee, kind of like straightening it out. And he goes, hmm. no, I mean, the police might know if there's been a pattern to where the murders have taken place. But it seems it happens uh, uh, late, late at night before the sun rises or right as the sun rises. while everyone's asleep, you know, during that little period of time where uh, very, very few people are out, uh, except for the Puritans who are often posting pamphlets at the doors or slipping them into, uh, into public areas so that they can get the word out. We usually branch out right around that time uh, as if delivering a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are you out during that time mostly? Sometimes depends on the night. Mm. I I heard Atticus was was a very good man. He was. Yeah. Did he have any conflicts with anybody? Mm, perhaps. Uh, I, I mean, I always thought he was a good man, but he could be a little rough around the edges. Uh, I don't know if he had any enemies in the organization, uh, but I do recall him and Pontus having a, a bit of a disagreement in methods. I don't think Pontus would do anything like this, but I think, what was it, two, three meetings ago, Atticus thought that perhaps we were being a little too forceful in, in, our, uh, in our approach and that we should you know, dial it back a bit, give people some room to breathe, and, and Pontus didn't take too kindly to that. I mean, Kilwin didn't either, for that matter, but Kilwin's always been pretty fervent about the cause Mm, i see do you think that you could show um mr quaglin and i um around like where you would normally post your things so we could sort of get a lay of the land as as to um where you might uh usually track around uh around the city so we could find a good place for an ambush as it were Sure. Uh, give me one second. He grabs a, a cane sure. and pushes himself up, straightening mm-hmm. that one leg again. And he's like, uh, uh, Have you usually... had your leg? Uh, yeah, a long time ago. Mm. A long time ago, during, during the coup of the stray gods against the Arbiter. But that's a long story. And if you want me to show you around, we can start at the inn. That's where... Everyone gets their pamphlets before they head out. Perfect. Let's go there. Um, Mr. Gunsby, could I, could I speak to you for just a moment? Of course. And I, I talked to him about, like, proper Puritan form, like, to really get into the character <laughs> of an Arbiter's Puritan. Well, uh, um, you're going to need to change. I've got the robe, and yeah. I... Oh, you almost look the part. Um, you just need to... Uh, you. You need to be forceful, but we'll give you, I'll give you the tips on how, how, to, uh, how to approach somebody, the things we give the new entries. All right, great. And he tells you, yeah, you have, to be, you have to be forceful in your approach, but willing to back off so that they don't press charges. Those Technology kind of is the devil, but it's cool if you're not interested. Right, just make sure the point is make them take the pamphlet. That's the important part. You get the word out if they take the pamphlet. Take the pamphlet. Okay, yeah. I should write this down, and I pull out a note. Take the pamphlet. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Gunsby, um, I say out of earshot, um, would you sort of poke around and, and look, look around here, uh, and then meet us at the inn, um, see if you can't, can't find a little bit of cogworks here and there, look for anything that he's hiding, perhaps? 
he knows something and I just don't know. I'm glad you and I are on the same page. I was, though it was probably rude to poke around while he's speaking with us, but uh, now that he's distracted, I think I might do so. Um, So we'll meet you back at the inn in a little while? Yes. Okay. I'll let you know what I find. Okay. And then I run up to where they're talking, I suppose, and uh, where Zeke and Dagan are talking and and go, oh, Mr. Gunsby had to go uh, check on her things at the, uh, how things are at the in the interrogation room. So he'll be back shortly. No, I hope everything's all right. Me too. You interrogating someone in particular? Yeah, he's just going to check in with the special investigators uh, here yes. from Evanglass. Okay. I mean, okay, let's go. And he starts he starts walking out uh and uh he talks a little bit about the merits of te- technology. He's like, "No, I know you're from the mainland. So, I don't want to talk your ears off. I know you're here just doing your job, and I appreciate it if we can put this killer behind bars. It's for the best." Um but uh well, I have your ear. <laughs> Perhaps uh you've considered a simpler life than uh than the ones you lead? Or? This is a, this is a genuine staff of the Druids of Aldrin. Oh, I passed the trials with flying colors. That's impressive. Oh, really? Maybe you do. You are cut out to be a Puritan. Yeah, I like to think I'm cut out for a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barnabas, what are you doing? I'll start doing what uh, Pelly and I discussed. Try to see if I can find some hidden technology or any signs of it. Okay, he did lock his door behind him. I mean, is anybody around? Not particularly. Like, every once in a while you see someone walk up and down the street, but, you know, you do draw some eyes. People, like, look at you and are like, mouth hider, and keep walking. Uh, but, like, yeah, I mean, there's windows of time in which you can attempt to uh, pick that lock. Let's do it. All right, you roll cunning. Tier two. That doesn't take very long. Uh, there's like, you start working on it and you have to stop at one point and like, look like you're tying your shoe or something, <laughs> your boot that doesn't have shoelaces, <laughs> uh, as someone walks by, uh, and then you get back to it and yeah, you click the lock open and I sneak in and close the door behind me. Sure. You do have to duck quite a bit inside this hut, but yeah, you make it in. I'm going to start poking around anything that looks out of place, maybe concealing something. Uh, Something my gut tells me is not quite right. Roll cunning for me. Tier two. Yeah. uh, You look around for a bit and uh, you go into one of his like uh, one of his drawers um, and you open it up and you're like rummaging around. You open up another drawer, you're rummaging around in it. You know, it's just got like, you know ink and quill and some other stuff. Uh, and then one of them you open up and when you're rummaging around, you realize like there's like a wobble on the, on the bottom of it and you push down on the back and the front tilts up. Um, and, uh, you lift up the front and, uh, inside there you see three, uh, keys. Um, each one, uh, with like an intricate, like filigree on it and like a gemstone inset in it. And, uh, obviously very manufactured. Like you saw the key that he used to lock his door. It was basically a skeleton key. It was like made out of iron and that was it. Like this is like stainless steel 
uh, or like one of them looks like it might be actually like sterling silver uh, key. I might have to hold on to those. And I'm going to continue searching to see if there's anything in the house that these keys would unlock. Uh, you give the house a good thrice over <laughs> and uh, you don't see any like hidden key ports that uh, those keys could work for or anything like that. It is just like a one room hut. So there's not a whole lot to look for. But you like you check to see if there's like a false floor. Obviously, there's not a false wall. You saw how big this thing was on the outside. But you just check just to make sure, like touching all the spots of the wall to see if there's like a little like key port that you can get into for like a wall panel or something. But you don't find anything. Interesting. I'll check to see if the coast is clear. Then I'll leave and relock the door. So you stand up and peek your head out of the top where the chimney is. <laughs> and you look around and it looks like the street's clear. So you, you duck down and, <laughs> and go out the front door. And lock it. Sure. Uh, meanwhile, Zeke and uh, Talia, you guys are walking around and he's, you know, doing a slow pace. He's like, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean... You basically fork away here, go down the different roads. Uh, it's, you, know, you either pin the, pin the notice to the door or wall or slip it under a door or hand it to anyone who's up that early. How long have you lived here? How long have I lived here? Yes. I, I came in with the Puritans, with, with Kilwin and, and Lucinda. It was us and, and uh, a few others. We took it upon ourselves to try and spread the word of the Arbiter to the, uh, to, uh, heathens is a strong word, but the heathens of, <laughs> of Keyhandru. I see. I uh, helped them see the light of, of the sensibility that is a simple life. Have you felt that you've made good progress? Honestly, no. We have a few who join our numbers, sure. Uh, we've, you know, increased, we've converted a couple of the locals, but... Honestly, it seems like people are willing to just ignore us that or patronize us. Frustrating. Yeah. That they don't really respect you. It's sad in my eyes. Kilwin's more frustrated than I. He's he he, he wants to see progress and I have to tell him to temper and that he'll, it will come soon enough they'll see the light. We just need to wait. It's, yeah, I never thought that someone would try something as as drastic as to kill our own to try and turn us into martyrs. Can I ro roll cunning on that? Sure. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I will as well. Sure. As unlikely as it is that I succeed. Mm. I got an 18. Yeah, two, two. What was your number? Uh, 14. 14 and 18. All right, Talia, you're trying to like kind of read them. Uh, and you're not getting a whole lot off of them. You still feel like something's off, but you're just not sure. Uh, Zeke, uh, as he says that, you don't quite buy him being like, I'm sad about it. <laughs> uh, because, like, you're like, a second ago you were like, heathens! <laughs> and so, like, you're like, mm, that doesn't quite sit well with me. Right. Okay. Is it, like, time to do Puritan stuff now or is it, is it like much later in the day? It's going to be much later. I mean, we have a couple in the daytime, but if you're trying to be bait, I mean, you could, you could go around. I could like establish myself. Yes. As bait. You could. All right. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go around this route and I outline the route I plan to take to him. Okay. That 
that seems to work. I'll uh, I'll talk to Kilwin and make sure no one else goes on that route. So you can be the most tempting. I mean, I think we're going to take everyone indoors, probably. Yeah. Make you the only one out on the street. That makes sense. Yeah. That's a good a good step to take. Yeah. Okay. I suppose I should go in and talk to Kilwin and Lucinda, see how they're taking Atticus's death, and and uh, you know where to find me. Right. I'll escort you to the inn. Thank you. And yeah, you guys go back to the inn uh, as you drop him off there, effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, well, Zeke, you don't drop him off there. You start doing your rounds. Technology is the devil. <laughs> it's cool if you don't want to listen. Take the pamphlet. <laughs> listen, man, my boss is breathing down my neck. Oh, what? Do you guys have like a quota or something? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Almost as ridiculous as the stuff you're spewing. Sure, give me like five pamphlets. I'll throw them out. I give them to him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Talia, when you drop off, uh, Dagan, you see Barnabas there? Mr. Gunsby? Miss Nazari? Everything all right with the special investigators? Yes, yes. Uh, just following up on some information. It's confidential. I can't share any of it, unfortunately. Uh, of course. Surely of course. you understand. No, it's not my place to know. Anywho, I'm going to go in and, and talk to my friends. All right, you have a wonderful day. Our condolences. Yeah, thank you. Right. <laughs> That's what I meant to say was, I'm sorry Come about on, your Mr. loss. Come on, Mr. let's go. <laughs> I'm just going to leave now. Outsiders. <laughs> then he goes inside and you guys walk off. Did you find anything? Yes. In fact, I did. Let's go into an inn. Gotcha. Sure, you guys find another inn. <laughs> One that's not on the main thoroughfare. It's smaller. Oh, good. Seems like the stuff on the main thoroughfare is like uni- universally sized, more or less. But once you get further from the main thoroughfare, it's like this is just where gnomes are. <laughs> but yeah, you guys like find one that's like medium size. <laughs> uh, so what did you find? I pull out the keys and slide them over to her. Some technology. Well, well, I'll take a look. Can I take a look? Sure. There's, you don't have to roll anything. It's three keys. Sure. They are definitely manufactured. Uh, they have some good, uh, like some real gems inset into them. One of them has a pearl. Uh, the design is very intricate and uh, involves like um, decorative cogs and stuff like that. Um, you know, just a standard steampunk fare for like a fancy looking key. Right. Um, yeah. One has, Any one has an emerald, one has a ruby and one has a pearl. Any indication of what they might um, belong to? Unfortunately, no? that I could not find. But there's one key for each of the leaders of the cult, I guess. Perhaps we should find what the significance of the three gemstones are in this culture. Why don't we go to the constable, show them to him, and see if he has any inclination? Okay. You guys head back on your way. You see Zeke. Just take the pamphlet. <laughs> I'm not going to take a pamphlet. I just take a handful of pamphlets and put them in a... You need to keep these for pe- other... Oh. <laughs> Technology is the devil. And I walk away. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, you guys walk up to the constable's office. Uh, you present him with these keys. Um, as you do, you see that the door hinges of the interrogation room have, like, been taken off and the door is, like, laying flat. There's no sign of the of uh, Team Basington. <laughs> of course. Uh, oh, deputies. Um, 
We found these keys and we were wondering if you had any inclination as to what they might go to. Mm. Who do you work for again? The, the Avidlesian Special Detectives. Right, right. Now, now, are you here on a diplomatic mission? What with the Arbiter and all? Um, I'm actually not from Evanglass. If you might have noticed, I'm a Frisha. Yeah, I got a pair of eyes. But I am a diplomatic representative uh, from Dalvosia, and I happened to be in Evanglass at the time that they were dispatching the men I was with, uh, and I offered to go along as an outsider. Uh, roll cunning? 21. Right, right, but... Who is that reads your reports? Are you commissioned by the Surai government? Uh, because it is diplomatic, uh, we send it to the Lord Constable, um, Maxwell Silver. So you, you report to Evanglish? Yes, of course. They're the ones doing the, uh, the diplomatic um, throughways. We're just here to report to them. I doubt the Arbiter would um, select outsiders if he didn't have to. I didn't think so either, but I'd like to uh, just make sure. Uh, close the door for me, will you, honey? Of course. Ka-chink. Right. Uh, so, funny thing about them keys, and he reaches into one of his drawers and pulls out a similar-looking key. It's not exactly the same, but it's got like the same kind of design and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And he sets it down. That one's mine. Where did it come from? Well, I mean, when I'm not having the lad make coffee, and he reaches back and pushes a painting off to the side, and he's got a, a coffee maker in there. I may have a occasion for a business or a business transaction or two with some of the smugglers. Did they give them to you? To yeah. Give it to you. The first thing you do when you uh, when you organize with the smugglers is you set up a, a safe. A, a drop. Yeah. I wonder. Why would why you would have three? Where did you find these keys? That would be in Dagon's home. Uh, I have a bit of a working theory. Yeah. Um, are the safes centrally located? No, they're they're stacked around town a little bit. Um, I, I got I got an idea rattling around in here. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it is the same as mine. I'd like to hear yours. Well, them's been. As of this morning. Three murders? Yeah. So if you were part of the uh, Arbiter's Puritans and then you were susceptible to perhaps the sway of technology to a degree and you arranged something with the smugglers and then someone found out, that would make them very unhappy. Don't you think? That would make sense to me. That seems to follow. You're real good at this. I am very smart. I just don't have a lot of practical experience. Well, the the uh, the other special investigators, the the ones that came uh, coming to town before you, mm-hmm. they said they had a lead too, and they were going to go check it out. Oh, that's good. They were they were unspecific as to what they, they were. like to keep things close to the vest. Okay. Right. Well, might be they maybe figured it out too. I don't know. Uh, but uh, are we thinking Dagon did this? I think so. I mean, he has the keys. No way to prove these are the keys that uh, belong to... Uh... No, and no cogwork knife. I think it's worth maybe a chat. With a smuggler. I was thinking with him in the police here in the constabulary with Dagon. 
maybe holding i don't know is that a thing you do here um yeah we could do that and you mentioned talking to the smugglers perhaps yes so we could try to see if the keys match the victims that ain't a half bad idea uh, for what we have now is only reasonable suspicion. We don't have probable cause quite yet. Now, now, of course, I have no way of finding smugglers. Of course. No, but if I were a smuggler, I'd probably use the stream to boat in my product. And if I was an organized type of smuggler, I might uh, come in about once a week, drop off some product, Move my way out. Go get more. Might be today's the beginning of a new week, if you catch my drift. I think I do. All right. Yes, I I believe I understand what you're saying, sir. You're looking for a man named Magnus. All right. We'll go um, search very hard for these smugglers. They're very tricksy and have we have no leads as to where to find them. No, none at all, none. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then you might do your part in bringing Dagon in for a bit of a chat. Yeah, I ain't gonna let my nephew do it. I'll do it myself. <laughs> Much obliged. Uh, let's go find Ezekiel. And uh, with this new lead, uh, you guys uh, set out to try and find some smugglers, find Ezekiel, as the constabulary uh, brings your uh, prime suspect into custody. We'll end today's session. Technology is the devil. Take a pamphlet. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by Cracked Monocle Gaming. Tefra, the steampunk RPG, is a trademark of Cracked Monocle Gaming. All rights reserved. Go to www.crackedmonocle.com for more information.